In September, as part of the implementation of a 2021 law, state regulators established emissions limits on the concrete used in some state-funded buildings and transportation projects as part of New York's effort to reduce its carbon footprint. To discuss this mandate and hopefully explain how concrete contributes to harmful emissions, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by State Office of General Services Commissioner Jeanette Moy. Welcome back to the show, Commissioner. Thank you. Happy to be here. So for starters, what is it about concrete, either how it's made or deployed, that can contribute to greenhouse gas emissions? Great question. Concrete is made up of three things, right? It's sand, it's cement, um, it's water. And so depending on that composition, you know, that's what is going to drive the greenhouse gas emissions. But it's the part of concrete, in particular the cement, that actually drives the greenhouse gas emission production, right? So when you're creating uh, cement, right, that's lime, that's silica, and there's a lot of high heat that's involved in the production of cement, you know, in terms of the lime itself, limestone, it requires that there's calcification that takes place that uh, results in an emit. Uh, carbon dioxide. Um, and then there's also high heating that's involved. So you've got to produce a whole ton of heat to create that cement. And so those are the areas in which you really see a lot of greenhouse gas being created through the production of concrete. And if you change out the percentages of what cement, what sand, what's water, you know, you can really shift the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that are creating the production of that concrete. Well, right now, based on the current concrete landscape, how big of an emitter is concrete in terms of its role in adding to heavy industry and its greenhouse gas emissions? No, it's certainly significant. Mm -hmm. So OGS has been focused and and the governor has been focused on reducing greenhouse gas emissions in buildings, reducing it in transportation. But, you know, the supply chain is also incredibly important. And the state of New York isn't the only entity that's really looking at trying to reduce the amount of greenhouse gas emissions that are produced when you're looking at these building materials, right? So following the release of our guidelines, we anticipate that Colorado, Washington, New Jersey, and Oregon are going to be also releasing their own guidelines related to concrete. California has been looking at those emissions when it comes to glass, when it comes to um, steel, two other areas of building materials where they're contributing to greenhouse gas emissions. So certainly this is something where we think it's important for us to take a look at it. The governor signed the bill just last year. So we've been very deeply involved. We've been charged in this bill through this legislation to create these guidelines. And, you know, this is something that has been talked about in New York State since it was first introduced back in 2019 by Assemblymember Carroll. This is not a a new concept. You know, what's great about this in particular, the way in which this policy is constructed and the way in which we're implementing is that we've had a lot of conversations with concrete producers before we even got to this point. You know, there was about a a year's lead up since the signing of the legislation in which we've been talking to industry groups. We've been doing a significant amount of research. We've talked to other states and the federal government around how to responsibly implement these targets. And so this year, we have been creating the guidelines. We've been creating the thresholds. Um, it is going to be a voluntary compliance as of January. So, you know, in a matter of a few months, agencies are going to be asked to comply. And so they can start to work with their staff to make sure that their teams understand what the implementation will look like. They can start to talk to their contractors and their subcontractors about what it means to require in their specifications that concrete is uh, clean, right? And so all of those things have to start taking place over this upcoming year. There's a lot of technical assistance that we know is needed, both for state agencies that are going to be doing the work and those in the industry that are going to be using this concrete. You mentioned the voluntary compliance starting in January, but what about 2025 and beyond? What sort of projects are going to come under state rules governing 
so-called clean concrete? So right now for buildings, it is for contracts that are over a million dollars and have at least 50 cubic yards of concrete. So that's about 90% of the projects exist, right? OGS is an example. We only do really vertical construction, right? Roads, bridges, spans, that's Department of Transportation. We have about 900 projects and about 63% of them are going to cross that 1 million threshold. Not all of them are going to require concrete, but I think a substantial number are going to have to require that we're purchasing that concrete will fall underneath those thresholds. For transportation contracts, and those are primarily DOT contracts, you're looking at about $3 million of concrete where the cubic yards are 200 or more. And that's 80% of their projects, or that's what we anticipate based on you know prior years and, and some of the engagement that's taking place. So lots of changes over the upcoming year. So a producer is going to have to actually measure the amount of EDPs that are being produced through their particular mix, right? And EDPs are, again? That is the environmental... Um, what is it? Uh, is this EPDs, Environmental oh, EPDs, Product Declaration? Impa- um, cheese and rice. Um, so it is the Environmental Product Declaration. You know, there's a lot of acronyms that we have around. But these EPDs are thresholds that they're going to have to send off and do their, some level of testing, right? So there's some technical assistance that is needed for these producers, large, small, medium here in New York State. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot like getting those calorie counts on the side of, you know, a can of soda or a drink. You know, you want to be able to just measure how much carbon is being produced for this particular mix in this particular plant. Once you get that label slapped on, then it's there for that particular mix in that particular plant. So that's going to have to happen statewide for those that are selling to a state agency. And so that's why we've got, one, this, these industry conversations that have been taking place. Um, we've been really careful and thoughtful around which projects they apply to. Right, making sure that the larger projects, that are ones in which you maybe it's a larger cement plant or a larger um, concrete plant that's going to be really engaging with us right along the way, and that we've got also a threshold at which you know the limit is 150% for what's happening in the region. And by 2027, as we start to get these numbers together, we're going to start looking at, can we move that threshold, right? Um, is the market starting to shift? Is it possible to go from, I don't know, 150 to 145? You know, How do we start to really look at the amount of carbon that's going to be produced throughout this entire process? So you know, the number one thing for OGS and from a state perspective is that we start getting these EPDs out there, just like a calorie count, that we start to really understand what that process looks like and then start to shape decisions across this time frame. The thing that I'll, I'll last note is that there are going to be some projects in which it, it doesn't make sense for us to use these specifications. If it's an emergency project, maybe tomorrow you've got you know a bridge that collapsed or you have to do some sort of emergency construction, emergencies are exempt from this process, right? So you have to get that concrete tomorrow. You may not be able to pull the EPD together. So that's really important that we give that flexibility. Or if it's a high strength early on in, in a quick cure concrete, I've learned a lot about this, but you know, you've got to because of an engineering spec or other piece that that concrete has to set really quickly so you can go on to the next part of the construction process. And so those are two areas in which there are exemptions to these guidelines where we wanted to make sure there's some flexibility in the work. Well, you mentioned some of the agencies that are covered by this starting in 2025, and they're clearly ones that are engaged in a lot of work, whether it's building or transportation. Two others that come to my mind are NYSERDA and the MTA, which are responsible for overseeing renewable energy projects, as well as the construction of new, say, subway lines. And I'm curious what, if anything, these rules mean for them. So NYSERDA was a really strong partner for OGS through this entire process. Mm -hmm. So developing the specifications, the industry conversations, 
they work lockstep with us. And Doreen Harris and her team have just been really incredible partners to this process. The way in which the legislation was written, the legislation that was signed, that was enacted, this applies to executive agencies. But obviously, we talked to all of our partners. Um, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey had already been looking at these specifications. It's something that I anticipate also as we start to implement these concrete requirements that you're going to see the market shifting here in New York. So authorities aren't um, required to do so, but they've certainly been folks that we've been talking to and that they've been good partners in these conversations that we shape out the implementation of these this law. The governor has stressed uh, repeatedly in the past that green initiatives have to be uh, affordable. So how does that mandate of balancing affordability and environmental sustainability play itself out in this conversation? For example, are there other exceptions for situations where the cost of a project is just prohibitive utilizing this clean concrete and there can be exceptions or are there no exceptions when it comes to cost? So we're going to be monitoring this really closely over the next year. Based on our industry conversations, it's not that much more expensive in order to produce a low carbon concrete. And I I can't say exactly how much that looks like, but we're going to know a whole lot about the specifications as folks respond to the RFPs. We're going to be very closely monitoring what those costs look like. But in our conversations to date, we don't anticipate there's going to be that much more of an increase in terms of cost for concrete. Is is Um, there a wiggle room about like 5%? I think that's language that's referenced in, in the legislation. It says the Office of General Services shall also examine the use of incentives, including bid credit related to bids within 5% of the lowest price to encourage the usage and innovation of low embodied carbon concrete on state agency projects? I I don't believe that the bid requirement was actually put into the legislation, or at least how we're enacting it. So I'll double check to confirm that. But it's your understanding, at least right now, that that's not something that you guys are taking into consideration. We're a practical agency. So however all these pieces unfold, we've had strong conversations with industry as we implement. We've been talking and being really thoughtful around how it's been addressed in other states. We're going to be monitoring through this voluntary process, this time frame right now, what the numbers look like. And so I think very pragmatically, the governor has been a really good partner in terms of setting high thresholds, but also you know being really focused on making sure the implementation is uh, meaningful. And so OGS for us, we'll be looking to see what those costs look like. We're going to be talking to our partners around it. And I'm certain, you know, it's something that is going to be a future topic of conversation between the two of us. Is it fair to say that in establishing what clean concrete looks like moving forward, that you're not necessarily setting a specific manufacturing process or technology that you're looking for, but you're essentially choosing strength and issues of you know, durability and permeability and other attributes in order to keep a kind of a broader moving definition, give you guys, you know, talk about more flexibility and adaptivity to this process? There's going to be a threshold. There are going to be things that the engineers are going to care very deeply about relative to a project. There are going to be those product specifications. This is one more product spec, regardless of how you're constructing that concrete. That specification requires that you're at that 150% for the region. Do you feel like there are a lot of unknowns in this transition, or do you feel like this is an area where things are pretty well defined, the technology is well understood, and the industries are, are well understood? 150% when it comes to low carbon concrete means that we're just trying to hit out wherever possible the highest emitters from concrete. And 150% based on our industry conversations is something that we can reasonably attain. And so it allows for us to get some knowledge and awareness within the region. It allows for us to think about from small manufacturers and large manufacturers what they need to do in order to make sure that their mixes fall in line with our targets. So there's a lot of great conversation that has to happen. I feel pretty confident that we've had the right conversations to date. And again, we've got one 
good year of monitoring where we're going to be able to see how this is going for that voluntary implementation. 2024, as you say, is about voluntary implementation. So will you as OGS be like knocking on the doors of the other cabinet members and giving them a hard time if they aren't complying? Or are you going to just give them some time to uh, get up to speed? So there have been a lot of conversations with agencies that are using concrete, in particular when it comes to the Department of Transportation. This is, and as you know, it's, it's a hallmark of the Hochul administration. We talk to each other wherever possible. It's a great set of other cabinet leaders. We've had good conversations about it, not just at a leadership level, but also on the staff implementation level. So voluntary compliance allows for you to, to you know, get on those training wheels. It allows you to have good conversations with your staff so they understand what it means to even look for the EPD in concrete. It allows you to be able to talk to your contractors and, their, and all of their subs underneath them to figure out what that supply chain looks like how to actually add it into the product specifications for those RFPs that go out. So there's a lot of really tactical items and learning that happens just going through this process. And the truth is, you know, all of our state buildings, you know, a lot of our public properties, you know, they're, they're all showing their age, right? And there's a lot of investment that's happening right now. You know, the governor has taken on some really great work to really make sure that our spaces are, you know, addressed there's a lot of building that's going to be taking place. So, you know, as we think about things that will happen out in Harriman, when we think about some of the retrofits that are going to be happening here at the ESP, when we think about armories that are, you know, right now being renovated, those are all opportunities for us to look at clean concrete. Well, we've been speaking with Jeanette Moy. She is the commissioner for the State Office of General Services. Commissioner, thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.